Everybody glad you're here. I thank God for you. I love you. Those joining us online, we love you guys and are grateful that you're engaged with us. If you're here for the first time, man, we are delighted uh, that God has brought you. And what delights me is this. It makes me know that God, he's a good God and he is actively at work to your good. He's brought all of you here. That means he's up to something good in your life. In fact, that's the whole truth I wanna drill down into our souls this morning, that our God is a good God and he's up to something good in our life, except I wanna make it right now as we get going as personal as possible. So I'm gonna put that phrase on the screen and I want us to say it aloud together. I'll say the phrases and you just say them right after me. Here we go. God is a good God. And he's up to something good. Oh my gosh. I know that's not up there. He's up to something good. In my life. Yeah, hey, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. Because sometimes we can think, ah, God's up to something good in his kingdom. God's up to something good in his church. God is up to something good in those guys over there. But the truth is God is up to something good in my life, in your life. One more time. Could I have it again, please? God is a good God. And he's up to something good in my life. I wish I could sing. I think I can rap. <laughs> but I want us to say this one more time. I, if I could put it to music, it would go, you would just have it in your head. And in fact, tonight, when your head hits the pillow, before you drop off to sleep, I want you to remind yourself, my God is a good God and my God is up to something good in my life. Let's say it one more time. Could I have it again? You'll get a raise. Okay, there you go. Here we go together, like you really mean it, like you have faith in a good God, like you love a good God, like you're grateful for a good God, like you worship a good God. God is a good God. He's up to something good in my life. Man, we need that. Here's how Jesus said it, check this out. Would any of you who are fathers give your son a stone if he asked for bread? Or would you give him a snake if he asked for fish? As bad as you are, you know how to give good things to your children. How much more? Oh, baby, you've got a how much more God. You've got a how much more, how much more love, how much more peace, how much more joy, how much more strength, how much more love. You've got a how much more God, how much more than your Father in heaven. You see, when God is not someone aloof, far off and distant, but you have made him your father through a real relationship with Jesus. Oh my gosh, something good starts to happen in your life. Then will your heavenly father, your father in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. Did you catch the promise? A how much more God with how much more strength, how much more a promise, how much more love for you? But there's a condition that you relate to him as your heavenly father through Jesus and that you ask him. In the asking, your heavenly Father gives. Now this is promised to us throughout the Bible. Look at this from the Old Testament part of the Bible. Scripture says, you are the only God ever seen or heard of who works miracles for his followers. 
an incredible promise. But notice it's conditioned to those who follow him. You, you, you follow God in your marriage. You follow his word in your marriage and his miracles for your marriage. You, you, you follow God in your parenting. You follow his word and he has miracles for your parenting. You, you follow God. You follow his word for your finances. He's got miracles for your finances. Jesus, the old part of the Bible. Now look at the new part, the New Testament. Look at this. The apostle Paul says, God, by his mighty power at work in you. There's the condition. The mighty, indescribable power of God at work. You see, it's not so much about the circumstances, the difficulties, the challenges, the struggles, the problem, the pain, the hurt that you face. It's about what's in you. And when God is free to be at work within you, God, by his mighty work, by his mighty power at work within us, is able to do, there it is again, how much more? We got a far more God. It's like the goodness of God on steroids. Far more than all we could ever dare ask, dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. From beginning to end, cover to cover. I've just given you three promises from the lips of Jesus, from the old part of the Bible, from the New Testament part of the Bible. That your God is a good God who is actively at work to your good. And yet, We find it hard to believe, particularly when darkness creeps over our lives. Um, seems like it's easy to believe God is a good God when everything is going good, but I mean, you've come with your own personal set of problems and pain, and you've come with your own unique hurts and concerns. And sometimes when we hurt and the hurt, here's what happens. We get stuck in the hurt. We get stuck in the pain. We get stuck in the problem when we uh, have let go our belief that our God is a good God who is actively at work to our good. We don't know when he's gonna get it done. We don't know exactly how he's gonna do it or what he's doing right at this moment. We just know that we know that our God is a good God who is actively at work to our good. But... When our lives are slammed with darkness, we start to doubt the goodness of God. You see, I, th I think the primary reason we doubt that God is a good God actively at work to our good is because 24-7 we live surrounded by darkness. Some of it we just subject ourselves to. We go on social media for our daily dose of Darkness. And let the people on social media just puke their pain, their problems, their politics all over us. Or you can get high definition darkness in the nightly news. Another mass shooting. Another war. More violence. More racism. And sometimes darkness comes into our hearts uninvited comes into our homes uninvited. The darkness of cancer, the, the darkness that kind of seizes our heart when our spouse tells us they don't love us anymore. Or for the first time we hear a child say, I hate you. 
Jesus alerted us to this fact. He said, in this world, if you're breathing, you're going to have trouble, but take hope. I have overcome the world. God breathed on his man, a man named Isaiah. And you got to remember, this is the last sentence in the eighth chapter of Isaiah. But God is breathing on Isaiah. Here's what Isaiah writes. Wherever they look, there will be trouble, anguish, and dark despair. It sounds like Facebook. Wherever they look, there will be trouble, anguish, and dark despair. Sounds like the evening news. Look at this. They will be thrust into the darkness. Have you ever found yourself thrust into the darkness? Two months ago, um, my month-old grandson was transported from Beloit to the Children's Hospital in Madison by ambulance to have a significant surgery. Hospital protocol because of COVID had to kind of be bent a bit so that Jacob and Miriam could be there uh, together. At the very same time, I have a brother, uh, Jerry, who's 13 months younger than me. We're about a year apart. Went through high school uh, together, uh, college. In fact, for four years, we served the same church. He's a pastor as well in Evansville, Indiana. And for four years in Evansville, Indiana, we served the same church together. We saw each other at work every day. In fact, we had such a close relationship that we had houses. We purchased houses across the street from each other. My brother's wife, her name is Debbie. I have a Debbie. My wife's name is Debbie. Jerry's Debbie. Her name was Debbie Circioni. And we couldn't pronounce that, so we called her Debbie Macaroni. (laughs) Um, Two months ago, at the same time that JJ was being transported um, to Madison, Debbie went into the hospital to have a gallstone removed, only to find out it wasn't a gallstone, but pancreatic cancer. Very nasty form of cancer. Um, Thrust. Didn't see it coming. Wasn't I? Just thought it was a gallstone. Thrust into darkness. Celebrate the birth of a little baby boy. Didn't see it coming. One month after birth, being transported to a children's hospital for surgery, just a month old. I'll never forget the sound of Jake's voice and the catch in his voice. When he gave me that news, we don't see it coming. I had a friend, um, very dear to me in this church. He's passed away now, been gone for uh, several years. But uh, before he lived here, he lived in another state. And in that state, he had a very lucrative uh, construction business. (laughs) Unawares, unsuspecting. He had a partner in the business and the partner ran off with all the funds, leaving him with all the debt. Had to declare bankruptcy. Didn't see that darkness coming. thrust into darkness. If you've ever been thrust into darkness, if you're living in darkness right now, I have got good news for you. I have got the ticket out of darkness. I don't know if you can get one because I'm pretty special. I got this at Taco Bell. Uh, It cost me $5 and a case of indigestion 
But there was a scratch-off right there by my thumb. There's a scratch-off place, and I scratched it off. And oh my gosh, it says, you are a winner. That's me. Yeah, baby. I'm a winner. I put that on my bathroom mirror to remind myself, I'm a winner. Put it on my computer screen. I'm a winner. Yeah, tell my, I'm a winner. Um, that's called false hope. I want a Coke. <laughs> I'm not gonna turn this in though. I don't need a Coke. I just need to be reminded I'm a winner. But I'll tell you something. You can win, wave false hope at darkness till you're blue in the face and it has no effect on the darkness at all. False hope like, hey, if we just lived in that house, in that neighborhood, false hope, just like, hey, if I could wear that clothes like she does or he does, if, I, if we just had that car, if, we just, if I just had that job, if we just had that money, false, if we just lived in that state, false Hope, if the Bears could just win a game, false hope. <laughs> false hope, however you give it to yourself, will not defeat the darkness that you are thrust into. Um, a couple weekends ago, when Ray preached here, I took the opportunity to take my Debbie and we went hoping to see Jerry's Debbie and pray with her. And she was too sick. Uh, we stopped at my mom and dad's house hoping to take my mom and dad. My mom's 89. My dad will soon be 94. And we were going to take them down to see Debbie. And um, she was too sick. And uh, so we stayed with my mom and dad about five hours south of here in Illinois and just spent the, uh, a day and a half with them, praying with them, taking communion with them and trying to encourage them in the face of this darkness that had encroached on on our family. When I walked in the door, as soon as my mom gave me a hug, she gave me a cutout cartoon from the paper. And I wanted to show it to you. But before I show you this cartoon, I got to tell you two things to remember. First, remember how our president uh, pardons a turkey every Thanksgiving? Remember that? Okay, if you didn't know that, that's why you come here so I can give you good information. Um, and number two, remember this, our inflation right now is at a 30-year high, okay? Now look at the cartoon. There's the president on the left. His aide, White House aide, is saying we couldn't afford a turkey because of inflation, so he's pardoning a can of Spam. <laughs> now, I think this is awesome because I love Spam. Uh, but Spam is a poor substitute for turkey on Thanksgiving. I'm kind of getting the trembles right now because I didn't have Spam for breakfast. I had one of them Jimmy Dean things that you stick in the microwave and it tastes like with enough hot sauce, it's okay. <laughs> I love Spam, but Spam is a poor substitute. And just like false hope will not defeat the darkness, poor substitutes, and we are addicted to poor substitutes like fear instead of faith, like worry instead of worship, but when darkness comes, we quickly default to fear and worry that just make things worse. Instead of clinging, deepening our faith and opening our hearts to worship to the God who is good and is actively at work to our good and somehow, someway, somehow will work everything together to our good. Fear and worry 
a poor substitute for faith and worship. Knowing about Jesus is a poor substitute for knowing Jesus. Being religious is a poor substitute for being in a real relationship with Jesus. We typically default to poor substitutes when only the real thing, Jesus Christ, our only hope, will save us and deliver us from the darkness. This week, I've been reading uh, again for about the hundredth time, uh, The Lord of the Rings. Anybody else read it? Okay, probably maybe saw the movies. Don't email me and tell me I'm going to hell because I read these books. Um, um, this week, I'm reading again for about the hundredth time, The Fellowship of the Ring. That's the first one in the trilogy. You know, there's The Hobbit, a children's story, then Fellowship of the Ring. And in it, I, I read Gandalf. He's like the Christ figure. Uh, you know, great literature has a Christ figure. He's like the Christ figure. Gandalf the Gray, he dies, resurrects to Gandalf the White. But in this story, he's telling his followers something they need to know. It's something we need to know. Here's what Gandalf says to his followers. He says, we are sitting in a fortress. A fortress is a place of strength. A fortress is a place of security. A fortress is a place of protection. We are sitting in a fortress outside. It's getting dark. Could it be that this is more than just a story? Could it be that this is what it means to be in real relationship with Jesus. That in a real relationship with Jesus, it's like living in a place of strength, a place of protection, a place of safety, a place of security. It is possible in a real relationship with Jesus, in the fortress of that relationship, to wall out the darkness, to wall out fear, to wall out worry. Within the safety and protection and security of the fortress, we can wall in hope. We can wall in joy. We can wall in love. We can wall in peace. So remember, I gave you earlier from the breath of God, the last sentence in the eighth chapter of Isaiah. I'm gonna show you now that sentence again and then I'm gonna show you why in the very next breath, the very first sentence of chapter nine, here we go. Wherever they look, there will be trouble, anguish, and dark despair. And they will be thrust into the darkness. Now, first sentence of chapter nine, but here's the deal. There will be no darkness for those who are in trouble. Now, how does that work? How can you have the trouble of cancer and no darkness? How can you have the, the, the cancer of marital difficulty and no darkness? How can you have the, the, the cancer of anxiety and depression and no darkness? There will be no darkness for those in trouble. Huh. Think about this. I'm in trouble. You have the same trouble I'm in darkness, you're in the light. How does that work? How do two people with the same kind of trouble, same cancer, let's say, one is in the light, they got the fortress, they got the strength, they got the security, they got the provision, they got the protection, and the other person with the same problem is in darkness. There will be no darkness for those in trouble. No, 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 no. The Lord says the time is coming where God will make that place glorious. 
Glorious means unlimited strength and unspeakable beauty. You, you, you can have a glorious marriage inside the fort of a real relationship with Jesus, a marriage of unlimited strength and unspeakable beauty. You, you can have glorious finances within the context, the fort of a real relationship with Jesus, unlimited financial strength, unspeakable beauty. Sometimes I hear people say, how you doing? Oh, I've had a hard, very stressful work. Really? That is an indication to me on the inside. I'm realizing they are disconnected from Christ because when you are in that fortress at work, in the real relationship with Jesus at work, you don't get the stress, you get the strength. Stress in parenting or strength in parenting? You choose. Stress in marriage or strength in marriage? You choose. Um, here's what's gonna happen. I'll give you a little heads up. Isaiah is about to give the greatest gender reveal in the history of the world. Do you like to watch those gender reveals on Facebook or you just kind of scroll right by them. I Googled funny gender reveals this week and every single one of them had a mom and a dad and a little kid pitching a fit because it was gonna be a baby brother instead of a baby sister. Dad got kicked, stuff got thrown on the ground, kids went running off crying. Every one of them had a crying child. So I had to dig into my own family. Here's my favorite gender reveal, my grandson David. Here's a picture of JJ. A month old, major surgery. Three months old, and oh, baby, just get your heart. Um, I wanted you to see that so that to set you up for Isaiah's gender reveal. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, this is the opening page. Without benefit of sonograms or silly screen string, check it out. The word of God says, for a child, for, for, for what? For a child is born for us. Here's the gender reveal. The gift of a son for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whosoever surrenders to him would never perish, but have everlasting life. That's why two people at least are gonna be baptized to climax the service. They are surrendering their lives to Jesus so they'll never die, but have everlasting life for, for a child, for us. Child is born, the, the, the gift of a son for us. And his name will be amazing counselor, strong God, eternal father, prince of peace, and his ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. You put your marriage under the ruling authority of Jesus and there will be no, no limits to the wholeness that he brings to your marriage. You put your finances under the ruling authority of Jesus and there will be no limits to, to the wholeness that he brings to you financially. You can put anything in those blanks that you want under the ruling authority of Jesus as it grows. There are no limits to the wholeness that he brings. Well, this is a very unique birth announcement given 700 years before the birth of the Son of God. But it's also unique because it gives Jesus four unique names. Here they are. Amazing counselor. When we're going through the darkness of cancer or financial reversal, or, or mental health issues. We have a Jesus, an amazing counselor, who will guide us through the darkness in, in, into the light of his love. Uh, next, 
a strong God in the midst of the darkness. Uh, Jesus is not our stress. He's our unlimited strength and energy. When we are connected to him as our strong God, what others would find stressful, we, we find ourselves strengthened in the midst of it by our uh, strong God, Jesus. And third, eternal father. Jesus keeps caring for us as a heavenly father does as we care for others. That's why I brought this uh, kid's coat up on the stage. We've got coat racks full of them. This is the weekend that we bring winter gear for children in our community who have none. Children with no coats, children with no gloves. So I got gloves, children with no hats. Um, and I wanna thank you for all of you that have brought coats. The school district is desperate for them because kids are coming to school with layers of t-shirts because they don't have a coat. And it's not just that they don't have a coat. What does that do to a kid's heart when they're growing up in poverty? Well, this church, I don't care how many COVIDs happen, we are not gonna stop helping hurting children. That's who we are. We are not gonna stop serving the poor. These backpacks that our people have brought, if you open them up, there's gloves and there's socks and there's hats because there is an exponential growth of homelessness in our community. And so we're giving these backpacks full of warm socks and hats and gloves to the homeless. I mean, part of it is, We're grateful that when we came to church, we had a coat and our kids had coats. We're grateful that God has been good to us. So we're gonna help people who have none. And we're grateful that we got a roof over our head. So we're gonna be kind to people who are facing the bitterness of winter without shelter. Next week, you'll see me up here with a couple bags of groceries. And I invite you to bring a couple bags. Some of you have already bought groceries because if you don't know us, we give seven days of groceries away every week to hungry people in this community. Every other week, we deliver them to about 30 homes of people who can't get out. Um, But you can probably imagine during this time, our pantry's been hard hit. and, And to tell you the truth, all the groceries we bring next weekend and that are already brought will get us through the holidays. But we are gonna devote $10,000 of our Christmas love offering. Last year, our Christmas love offering exceeded $100,000. 10,000 of it will go to stock our food pantry for the next year because in 2022, we are going with great spiritual momentum and no matter what, we are gonna keep feeding the hungry in our community. Speaking of that, speaking of groceries, we have an orphanage in Haiti. Maybe you know, I just talked to somebody in the last service and they didn't know about Haiti. And I I don't know that I want to encourage you to Google it because it is so sad. You know the earthquake? Deb and I watched a video yesterday of all the buildings and some of the cities that we love and have visited that are just a wreck now, just rubble. People are homeless. People have no water. People have no place to use the restroom that's healthy. People have no food. Well, their president, if you don't know, was assassinated. There is no government in Haiti. Government, excuse me, Haiti is governed by criminal gangs. Maybe you've read uh, about the 16, 17 uh, missionaries that were kidnapped. They know there's gonna be no consequence. They get hundreds of thousands of American dollars by kidnapping people. And we have an orphanage right in the middle of it. 
Because of the gangs, we've had to hire two uh, security guards with shotguns. It's not unusual in Haiti. You go to the gas station, there's a security guard with a gun. Go to the grocery store, security guard with a shotgun. But we've got to have them now at our orphanage. We've got 20 boys and we've got 14 staff to feed. Now we're well stocked with food, but $10,000 of our Christmas love offering will be devoted to our orphan. We can't save every person. We can't save every child, but we can save those 20 boys and make sure they are well-fed, well-taught, and well-introduced in, to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We love, and we're gonna miss Ray. God has called he and his family to plant a new church in Chicago, and we're gonna be his biggest fans and so out of our love and our encouragement at $10,000 of our Christmas love offering, we'll go to help him plant that new church and get started. Um, here's my favorite name for Jesus. He is our Prince of Peace. Not only does he care for us as we care for others, but he calms us in the dark times. He's our only hope, not a fake hope, only true hope. Not a false substitute. He is a substitute, the true substitute that died on the cross for your sins in your place. God raised him from the dead. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.